I'm Tom Tate, and this is the Power Time Podcast. Hey, what's up, Power Players? Welcome to episode one of the Power Time Podcast. I am your host and guide, Tom Tate. I will be taking you through an audio journey through the history of Nintendo, one issue of Nintendo Power Magazine at a time. So someone uh, recently scanned in the first 12 years worth of Nintendo Power Magazines uh, onto archive.org, the Internet Archive. And I just jumped in and I started paging through these digital files and I, I got so excited uh, by all the nostalgia that was just kind of like pouring in as I was reading through these magazines that the idea of this podcast kind of came to fruition and it just kept growing and growing. And then uh, Nintendo actually issued a request to take down, I believe this was confirmed that Nintendo actually issued the request, but there was a request to take down the digital files from archive.org and they were... Uh, in fact, taken down. So you can no longer access these magazines from archive.org. And that made my desire uh, to to go through, uh, legally acquire every issue and and start this podcast. Uh, my desire grew even more uh, to the point where I decided that we were just going to do it. Uh, and the Power Time podcast came to be. So let's talk about uh, the, the precursor to Nintendo Power Magazine before we really get into it. So The Nintendo Power Magazine, the first issue uh, was released in July, August of 1988. But prior to that, uh, it actually originated from Nintendo Fun Club, which was a newsletter that promoted new games, cheats, tips and tricks, a lot of the same content. Uh, It was just in in a very, uh, it wasn't in a magazine format. It was in a newsletter format. Uh, And there's actually a quote, and this is pretty hilarious. There's a quote in Mike Tyson's Punch-Out!, where little Mac's trainer says, join the Nintendo Fun Club today, Mac, uh, as he's giving tips in between rounds. And I always thought that was kind of interesting. I actually didn't even know what the Nintendo Fun Club was uh, until I started to do research for this show. So I- I'm learning a lot. I'm excited to learn a lot. I'm going to be passing on uh, as much information uh, and-, and history as I can as this podcast goes on. So the Nintendo Fun Club newsletter, uh, they had seven issues uh, beginning in 1987. Uh, and then that later evolved into Nintendo Power Magazine. And if you want to dig deeper into kind of the overview of Nintendo Power Magazine, check out episode zero of the Power Time podcast. It's basically an introductory episode that I put out uh, just to give some background on myself, give some background on the magazine, um, and and just kind of the mission, what we're trying to do here with the Power Time podcast. So I'm really excited. Uh, I'm excited for this journey through the history of Nintendo. I'll be your guide taking you through the history. I have a lot of plans for this podcast. And more importantly, I have a lot of plans for the community behind it. And I want this to be a fun and interactive experience for all of our listeners. So I'm going to be building a strong community to support this podcast. And the best way to learn about that community is to check out powertimepodcast.com slash unlocked and you'll learn all of the amazing things that the community has to offer even right now on day one uh, and then it will continue to grow over time so definitely check that out powertimepodcast.com slash unlocked but let's get into it let's get into today's show so i'm really really pumped about this this is it this is issue number one july august 1988 this was proclaimed to be the source for NES players straight from the pros. That is uh, right on the cover here. And the featured uh, cover uh, story for the first issue of Nintendo Power was Super Mario Brothers 2. So on the cover, we have uh, Super Mario, and he is uh, depicted in kind of a claymation style. It looks like they made Super Mario holding a carrot uh, and Wart who was the main villain in this game out of Play-Doh and kind of framed this shot. Uh, it's a cool art style, uh, bright, colorful, 
Again, the Nintendo Power logo uh, in yellow and red, uh, very iconic. And the proclaimed uh, stories here, we have Super Mario 2, a 20-page spectacular. We'll get into that in just a little bit. Zelda The Second Quest, not to be confused with the sequel to Zelda. A baseball roundup and over 50 pro tips. And to round up the uh, round off the cover, there is a free poster inside. Uh, and I remember those posters. They were pretty awesome. So I, I definitely remember uh, those posters being hung up uh, around school in, in my friends' uh, bedrooms. So it was definitely a cool uh, badge of honor, you know, to to have one of these Nintendo Power posters hanging up on one of your personal properties. So the price of Nintendo Power back in the day was three fifty. Uh, that's pretty pretty interesting. We'll be watching the price uh, fluctuate over time. So yeah, let's uh, let's let's crack this open and, and check out issue number one of Nintendo Power Magazine. Inside cover, we have an opening ad, and the opening ad uh, is, is typically to promote Nintendo products, and this one is promoting the power line to the pros. One of the things I remember Nintendo doing uh, was their game tips hotline, and that, that was this power line to the pros where you could call 885 play or 206-885-7529 Monday through Sunday 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and you could contact a Nintendo game counselor on their power line and one of the reasons why I remember this is because it was featured in the movie The Wizard so if anyone remembers the movie The Wizard with uh, Fred Savage uh, it was this great great 80s uh, maybe it came out in 1990 I can't remember uh, where you know they they were going on a mission to enter this Nintendo competition, and it was actually one of the first times I remember seeing Super Mario Brothers three was in that movie. But there was this cool scene where they called the power line to the pros to talk to game counselors to get tips on how to proceed in certain games, and it was it was great. Um, so let's uh, let's take a quick look at the welcome message for the first issue ever of Nintendo Power. And I'm going to read this verbatim. You know, this is our premier issue of Nintendo Power, the new bi-monthly magazine that's going to be put more power in the hands of video game players like you than ever before. We've packed Nintendo Power full of features like PackWatch, which tells you when to look for the latest greatest hits. Get the hottest tips from the pros in Counselor's Corner. Check classified information for one-of-a-kind moves that you can pull with certain programs like Built-in Continue. Find out what new video games have just been released in Now Playing. Look at NES Journal for the latest news about hit arcade games like Vindicators. Mailbox, NES Achievers, Video Spotlight, and Top 30 are just a few more features that will keep you glued to Nintendo Power like Mario to a Magic Mushroom. Every issue, we will have a great big colorful poster that you can pull out and put on the wall. So there you have it. I mean, that's kind of the basic overview of, of this Nintendo Power uh, structure. And we'll see, of course, that this will change over time. And it'll be fun to watch that. Uh, the table of contents, I don't want to spoil too much, you know, but we'll be hearing a little bit about Super Mario Brothers 2, the second quest of Zelda, this baseball roundup. Uh, and then we'll just jump into what some of these uh, these sections are. Counselor's Corner, Classified Information, Packwatch. All right, let's dive into it.
It all started late one night when our hero Mario had a very strange dream. In his dream, he climbed up a long winding stairway leading to a door. When he opened the door, he saw a world unlike anything he had ever seen before. As he peered into the wondrous world, he suddenly heard someone say in a faint and distant voice, Welcome to the world of dreams, the land of Subcon. We have been waiting for you, Mario. We want you and your friends to fight against our evil ruler, Wart, and bring peace back to the world of dreams. Power players, this is Super Mario Bros. 2, the very first featured game in any issue of Nintendo Power. Mario is back in action. Are you ready to conquer seven worlds with the help of Mario and his three friends? So this was a fantastic game. And... uh, what I loved about Super Mario Brothers 2, and I will preface this by saying that Mario Brothers 2 is one of my least favorite Mario games, but that doesn't make it any less of an awesome game. Uh, so Mario Brothers 2 introduced the ability for you to choose one of four characters, and each character had it, their own special abilities, right? So you could be Mario, you could be Luigi, you could be Toad, and you could be Princess Toadstool. So Princess obviously was able to... Uh, kind of sustain her jump she floated a little bit Uh, i believe luigi had uh, a higher jump he ran faster toad was able to pick up items quicker and the items did not slow him down and mario was kind of the well-rounded player uh so you could choose one of these four characters in uh in in this issue of nintendo power they actually break down the, the characters and introduce that that functionality and what their features are uh, Nintendo Power was infamous for teaching you how to play. Uh, so there is a section here on Mario 2 that is actually titled How to Play. And it teaches you the different ways to jump, ways to master the basics, run and jump, pick up items and throw them. Uh, and it's interesting that they have to do this. Uh, but if you think about it, you know, games these days kind of have tutorial sections where you you start up the game and you'll you'll go through this introductory mission or introductory level where they'll they'll basically teach you how to play uh but back in the day where everyone was used to super mario brothers one where it was really just one directional side scrolling uh run and jump when you introduce new things like super jumps uh things like picking up items and throwing them these are all new uh ways to play the game and players needed to learn these. And after these kind of video game archetypes were set in the 80s and 90s, uh, all that those features function and functionality and, and gameplay elements uh, be, kind of became second nature to gamers. So you didn't have to teach uh, so much how to pick up items and throw them. But in, in this day, uh, this was kind of novel at the time. So we go through uh, some of these different ways that you can defeat enemies. Uh, and we go through all the different items uh Items that help Mario and his friends, uh, sprouts, vegetables, uh, bombs that you can pick up. Uh, Mario 2 introduced kind of like a health bar. So rather than having the mushroom system where you just grabbed a mushroom when you were small and then you'd be larger. uh, And then if you got hit, you shrunk down to being small again. Uh, There's actually a heart system in Mario 2 where you could get mushrooms to add hearts. uh, And the mushrooms were hidden uh, in this subspace world in Mario 2. Uh, and to get to the subspace world, you had to pick up these uh, potion bottles and throw them. They would open up a door to the subspace and you kind of have to strategically place them uh, in, in certain areas of the level where there were going to be hidden items uh, on the opposite side in this other subspace dimension. Uh, you could pick up shells and throw them. Uh, you, could, you could still pick up the star uh, reminiscent from Mario 1 and kind of have that uh, temporary invincibility. There were locked doors where you would need to pick up a key uh, so that you can open the locked door. And there was uh, rockets. Uh, So every once in a while, you would jump in a rocket and you would zoom to a new level uh, in Mario 2. So the next page actually goes through all of the monsters with their names. And I think this is pretty cool. A lot of times when you're playing these games, you didn't know what these enemies' names were. Uh, you found out much later, uh, usually in the credits, they would show you kind of all the different characters and all the enemies from the games and their names. And that's how you found out what their names were. But if you didn't read through the instruction book or pages of Nintendo Power, you didn't know what their names were. And they're actually listed here as the 
Moppets of Wart. And I'm not really too sure what Moppets are. I don't know if that's a play on Muppets, uh, but I thought that was interesting as well. And then after that, uh, we have a map. Uh, well, first we have this funky illustration of Super Mario Brothers 2 Sports Festival. And it shows, uh, again, it's, it's a very funky... 80s looking cartoon illustration something that you would find in like highlights magazine if you remember that waiting in the dentist or doctor's office but we have all of the characters from mario 2 running around a track competing in olympic games so i'm thinking 1988 that was the uh i believe it was the summer olympics in south korea uh, I believe, uh, hopefully that's correct. And I, if if that was the case, this issue probably came out sometime around then. So maybe this was a callback to the Olympics. I'm not too sure. So after that, uh, we have full walkthroughs of the first couple, six or so levels. Uh, so maps and walkthroughs showing you where all of the secret hints and all of the secret rooms are. So how to escape from Fanto, how to ride on a flying carpet, how to do the little boss toss, uh, how to use bombs effectively. All of this was covered in Nintendo Power Magazine. So when you invested in Nintendo Power Magazine, you were not only getting the previews and the features, but you were getting these tips and tricks to really help you be a pro player and master these games uh, because these games weren't easy. Uh, they're not easy now and they weren't easy back then. So we're going to take a quick uh, history break. Uh, we're we're going to take a quick break for, for, for a second, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the history of this classic game. Uh, but first, let's check out some music from Super Mario Brothers 2. So Super Mario Brothers 2 is a really interesting game. It started out as, and I'm going to botch this this uh, pronunciation, but Yumi Kojo Doki Doki Panic, and I'll just call it Doki Doki Panic from here on out. So this, this little translation is actually Dream Factory Heartbeat Panic, and I believe it was from a TV show in Japan. These characters, I believe, it pre-existed prior to the, the video game uh, being created and released. So the real Super Mario Brothers 2 in Japan was more or less an extension of Super Mario Brothers 1. And that was released in the United States later, but it was released as Super Mario Brothers The Lost Levels. And if anyone has played this game, uh, you will know that it, it was very well known for being wildly difficult. It was an incredibly challenging game. I remember trying to play it uh, when it was released and I just couldn't do it. So that game had eight worlds and 32 main levels. And Howard Phillips, who was kind of the, the official spokesperson for Nintendo, he thought the game was too difficult to sell well, according to a book by John Irwin published by Boss Fight Books. And we'll link to that in the show notes. So Doki Doki Panic was a game that already existed in Japan, and it was reworked for Western audiences. And they brought on uh, Miyamoto, who created... Super Mario Brothers, and they brought on Koji Kondo, who did the music, uh, to make this a Mario game. Uh, but it, it was still very much uh, Doki Doki Panic with a Mario makeover. So here's the story for Doki Doki Panic. And we're going to get into a little bit of the history here. 
And this is straight from, I believe, Wikipedia. So while two children are reading a story, a monstrous hand suddenly appears from inside the pages and kidnaps them. When the rest of the family hears their cries for help, they jump into the story and save them. So that book uh, that Wart actually pulled them into was apparently uh, an Arabian, it had an Arabian setting. So that provides a lot of context into the art design and some of the levels and elements that you see in Super Mario Brothers 2. So Doki Doki Panic had very, very similar game mechanics uh, to Super Mario Brothers 2. In fact, they, they, they didn't change much at all. You could still choose from four playable characters, Imagine had similar skills to Mario, Mama to Luigi, Lena to Princess Toadstool, and Papa to Toad, and all of the enemies pretty much remained the same, as well as the core level design. So Doki Doki Panic had chapters instead of worlds, which makes sense because it took place in a book, and that game had saves, uh, which the U.S. version didn't have, and I believe that was because the Famicom uh, disc, disc system allowed for saves, while the NES uh, did not at the time allow for uh, writable discs. Um, so there's a great compare and contrast article over at the mushroomkingdom.net that I'll link up. Uh, and you can check that out at powertimepodcast.com slash one uh, to check out the, the show notes for this episode. So the game was later released. Uh, Super Mario Brothers 2 was released in the United States uh, in 1988. And then later, uh, Japan did get this version of Mario and it was released as Super Mario USA in Japan. So Super Mario Brothers 2, it featured another amazing soundtrack by Koji Kondo, who composed uh, the Mario Brothers soundtrack and Legend of Zelda as well. And there's not too much music, uh, you know, playing back on this game, there's really not too much music in the game, but the themes are just so recognizably Mario uh, that they definitely stand out. And, And we'll be listening to some more of that music throughout the course of this episode. So you know, this was also uh, Super Mario Brothers 2 was the introduction of some characters like Birdo, Pokey, Babam, and Shy Guys, who later became staples in future games, especially, you know, some of the ensemble games like Mario Kart. Uh, so some of these characters, uh, like the sub-villains, you'll never see them again. I'm not even sure that Wart ever really exists in another uh, Mario title. This might be the only time that you actually see Wart. Uh, but I have a lot of memories of this game. I, I think the uh, you know the biggest memory is, is the merchandising around this time. You know, around Christmas time, it was very reflective of Super Mario Brothers too. Um, the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, which was a cartoon with live action segments starring Lou Albano as Mario, uh, and I was actually just watching an episode with my son uh, yesterday. And that featured settings, characters, themes, and enemies from this game, but also with a mashup of elements from the first Mario title. So you'll have things like, uh, you know, Bowser uh, or King Koopa, I guess, uh, from the original Mario being the boss and the mini bosses under Wart uh, answering to King Koopa in that show, which is which was interesting. And you know, Birdo, Albatross. Uh, a lot of the same enemies uh, just continue to appear in this cartoon. Um, You know, my biggest memory, uh, or looking back on this game, you know, it just didn't feel like a Mario game to me in kind of the the, the canon of Mario. It feels like it wasn't a natural, supernatural progression uh, from the original Mario, which I think makes sense because it wasn't originally designed to be a Mario game. Uh, and then Mario 3 took the series in a completely different direction, aesthetic-wise, uh, you know, the setting, the gameplay. Uh, so it just doesn't feel like a Mario game to me. Um, and I just played through it. I just played through it on uh, the 3DS Virtual Console, and it was a ton of fun. I still had a lot of fun. Still one of my least favorites, but it is very, very enjoyable nonetheless. Uh, I only remembered certain levels playing through it, which is probably an indication that I was using uh, warps to skip over a lot of the different levels. Uh, but, and just comparing this to Mario 1, you know, where you can uh, you know, freely roam the worlds. You can go left, you can go right, you can go indoors and back, back out of those doors. Uh, whereas you know, Mario 1 was so linear, uh, it was nice, it was liberating, uh, it, w- it was definitely fun. 
So Super Mario Brothers 2 was re-released with a 16-bit upgrade on uh, Super Mario All-Stars, which was a compilation game for the Super Nintendo. It also received a remake uh, on Game Boy Advance. Uh, and you can get that. Uh, you can also get this title on Virtual Console on Wii U. So if you want to play this game in 2016, I definitely recommend that you check it out. If you've never played it before, and if you want to get that quick retro fix to play it again, there's plenty of ways to play it. Uh, it shouldn't be too hard to find. If you own a Super Nintendo, Game Boy Advance, Wii, Wii U, or DS or 3DS. Uh, so definitely, definitely check this out. issue of Nintendo Power is The Legend of Zelda. So as many people know, The Legend of Zelda had an infamous second quest, and this was a slightly different variation of the game that you unlocked after beating Ganon, but, and I actually did not know this, you could fast track your way through and immediately start the second quest if you named your character Zelda. So in Nintendo Power, they reveal that you can kind of start the second quest. They talk about what's different from the first quest, uh, and they give you maps. Uh, so they give you maps for all of the dungeons, um, which is very, very helpful. Uh, they have a full fold-out overworld map for the first and second quests. And I have a distinct memory I was on uh, the student government in my high school and someone in the student government office hung up the Nintendo Power fold-out full map uh, for the first Zelda quest, which was pretty awesome. Uh, so if you were on a mission to get that final piece of the Triforce, uh, this was definitely a, a pro tool to have. Not just the maps, but the tips and tricks here in Nintendo Power uh, for the first and second quests. And then at the end of this feature, there's actually a Zelda 2 preview. Uh, the Adventures of Link was not yet released. Uh, so, it, it, you know, there's a section here and now a new adventure begins. Did you defeat Ganon successfully? Are you waiting for more exciting action, danger and adventure? Get ready, Nintendo has something really exciting in the works. It's coming this fall. And if you like The Legend of Zelda, you'll love what's coming up. So there's a few uh, screenshots here, um, and there's a picture of the cover art which shows uh, Link's sword on top of a gold background. So very, very awesome. Um, definitely uh, an exciting time for Zelda fans uh, to continue to explore the initial Legend of Zelda, and then get excited for the adventures of Link. So Nintendo was also known for its sports titles, and I remember having a ton of fun playing sports games on the original NES. Uh, so the next section in this issue of Nintendo Power is a baseball roundup where Nintendo talks about three games from three different publishers that were being released around this time uh, around Major League Baseball. So the first game uh, was Bases Loaded by Jalico, and I, I absolutely played a ton of Bases Loaded, so that was a fantastic game. Uh, the next title was RBI Baseball, which is you know, arguably uh, one of you know, the greatest baseball games in this era. I definitely think this is the strongest of the three uh, at this time, of course, and that was released by Tengen, 
Uh, and I remember Tengen games specifically because I believe they were released on these black cartridges that were a different shape. So I don't know how they got around uh, kind of the Nintendo licensing rules uh, in terms of putting out uh, the traditional gray Nintendo cartridges, but they ended up doing it. And I remember having the black RBI baseball cartridge. Uh, and the next title was Major League Baseball. And that was actually released by Major League Baseball. It was the official Major League Baseball game. Uh, this is presented as tips for how to play the game, uh, but it feels more like an, an ad uh, for the features of the game. So, you know, it, depending upon your play style, if you just want to manage the team, uh, Major League Baseball is probably the, the best way to do that. Um, you know, depending on how you want to manage your pitchers, uh, it kind of talks through how each game handles that, talks through how each game handles batting. Uh, so there's a lot of different um, features that are explored here in these three games and tons and tons of screenshots. Again, 80s illustrations, 80s cartoons, uh, looks really goofy. Uh, but if you are a sports fan, uh, particularly a Nintendo sports fan, this definitely would have gotten you excited about the upcoming baseball titles. So up next, we have Counselor's Corner. This is where we answer letters from players who have found themselves stuck again and again. I think it's important to remember that with Nintendo Power, this is all pre-internet. So you, you couldn't just Google you know, some strategies and codes. Uh, you could do that in the late 90s and beyond, but back in the day of the NES and the Super Nintendo, uh, you had to either know it or find out from Nintendo Power or a Nintendo Game Guide. Uh, so then, you know, these codes kind of became uh, urban legends that got passed around neighborhoods. And this was always one of my favorite things about Nintendo was that once a code or a cheat or a warp pipe was discovered, that information would kind of get spread through schools and through neighborhood chatter. So if you didn't find out directly from Nintendo Power, you would find out later uh, through friends. Um, or, or classmates. So these codes and tips and tricks in Counselor's Corner were sometimes really, really absurd. Uh, and I'll give you an example. So the first question is, in Ghosts and Goblins, is there a stage select? And the answer is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, so the answer to that question is, hold the control pad right and push the B button three times. Press up and release. Next, push B three times. Push left, release, and then B three times again. Push down, release, and push B three more times. Then push start, select the A button or B button at this time and push start once again. Now you're on the right track. And this to me just seems like beta testers had these little entry keys to have stage selects and have different codes that, that they could uh, turn on and off whenever they needed to test certain levels. And Nintendo just used that knowledge to their advantage and published that in Counselor's Corner. Uh, some other games, Ring King, Metroid, Super Mario Brothers, Kid Icarus, Rygar, one of my favorite games. The question for Rygar is, I figured out how to get the Pegasus flute, but now I don't know what to do with it. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Castlevania, Ikari Warriors, uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. The question for Mike Tyson's Punch-Out is, how do I beat Mike Tyson? Uh, which is pretty great. And they give you some tips for how to beat Mike Tyson. Uh, and then there's also a plug for the hotline. So if you need more advanced tips and tricks, you can call the Nintendo hotline uh, and spend your parents' hard-earned money uh, to be a better Nintendo player. Up next, we have Howard and Nestor, which was a comic strip. This was a comic series that appeared in Nintendo Power, and I thought it came out much later, but apparently not. Apparently, it came out uh, in issue number one. So Howard and Howard and Nestor is Howard Phillips. Uh, he was the president of the Nintendo Fun Club. He was kind of the official, unofficial spokesperson of Nintendo here in the United States. Uh, they definitely... Uh, have a lot of lore around him he seems like a really interesting character we'll probably dig in a little bit more in future episodes about howard phillips and uh, his role at nintendo uh, but in this issue howard teases nestor for not knowing where the eighth and ninth dungeons are in the legend of zelda he offers some tips and even directs nestor to the right page in the magazine uh, that had the map uh, but nestor didn't really appreciate getting those tips 
So the next uh, section in Nintendo Power, issue number one, is classified information. So classified information was, was a cool section. It was pitched as top secret program quirks and ultra techniques directly from game developers. And that's verbatim from Nintendo Power here. Uh, other words used, you know, on-screen hocus-pocus. Uh, so they didn't even have to explain how these tricks worked. Uh, it was just magic. Uh, they also ask if readers find any discoveries to let them know. So it actually sounds like Nintendo was building up an external task force of bug testers and content creators, uh, having people find bugs and glitches and send them into Nintendo Power. So on page 56, Agent 99 reveals the infamous Konami code. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, be a start, which will grant you 30 lives in Contra. Uh, some other games that were referenced uh, here, Ice Hockey, Rad Racer, Gunsmoke, Athena, Punch-Out, Arkanoid, Ring King again, Ninja Kid, and Zanak. Uh, a lot of these games I've never played, so I'm kind of excited to uh, learn more about these games, and I might actually just jump in and start playing them too. Uh, so the issue continues on with more guides. Uh, Double Dragon, there's some tutorial pages for Double Dragon and walkthroughs of Mission 1 through 4 uh, with maps. Uh, that was such a fantastic beat-em-up game, Double Dragon. Definitely one of the earlier titles in that genre. Uh, also featured in that Fred Savage movie, The Wizard. Uh, I've never actually finished Double Dragon, so I might go back and play that one as well. Other games get a similar treatment. So Gauntlet, uh, there's about three or four maps. Uh, I think there were over 100 maps in Gauntlet, so three or four uh, is, is helpful, I guess. Uh, and then also we have a section for Contra, uh, so if you are a Contra fan and you struggled with Contra, even with the Konami code, uh, there were some maps and tips and tricks here for the first three zones in Contra. So he, here's another thing that I absolutely loved about Nintendo Power. Things that weren't well explained in the games um, are given some backstory and given some context in this magazine. So just listen to this blurb about Contra a game that I've played hundreds and hundreds of times, but I never knew any more than, you know, you're, you're from the army and you're fighting aliens. So the blurb about Contra is, the year is 2631, and a mysterious meteor has landed on the Gaga Islands of New Zealand. The aliens have taken the first step to controlling the planet. Now, two years later, the Red Falcons have begun their final invasion on Mother Earth. Only these two courageous soldiers can put an end to the alien infestation. They are gifted with the skill of guerrilla warfare. I just love, I love the copywriting here. Um, it's pretty awesome. But again, as I mentioned, you know, it's just cool to see some of the backstory of these games that you didn't get unless you really sat through the opening cinematics, which no one ever did, or, you know, read through the instruction manuals that came with the games, which again, I don't even think the instruction manuals had this level of context all the time. Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy get a spread. So if you're the casual Nintendo game player, uh, not so much into the action and adventure, there's something for everyone. Uh, the next section in the magazine is now playing. Uh, these are simply, you know, editor's picks of new or noteworthy games that were available or coming soon. And there were no real release dates back then with the NES. And we'll talk about that too. Games just came out when they came out. Uh, and you, you kind of got a sense of what month they were going to come out. Uh, but there was no hard release date on when a game was going to be released, not like there is today with pre-orders and set dates. So some of the games referenced in Now Playing that you might recognize, Legendary Wings by Capcom, Iron Tank, a World War II game from SNK, Gunsmoke, Rambo by Acclaim, Dragon Power by Bandai. Okay, this is pretty awesome. Uh, Metal Gear, the original Metal Gear uh, it doesn't even mention Snake as the character name. It just says in the description, to make matters worse, the only thing you've got going for you is a pack of cigarettes. I don't really think that would fly by today's uh, standards, but that's pretty pretty awesome. Uh, Bionic Commando by Capcom. City Connection by Jalico. This looks like a side-scrolling driving game. Akari Warriors 2 Victory Road by SNK. Never played that one either. Star Force by Tecmo, a space-age galactic battle more exciting than Star Wars. Uh, can you believe Star Force uh, more exciting than Star Wars? I've never heard of it before, uh, so it, it must be more exciting than Star Wars, one of the greatest franchises of all time. Freedom Force by Sunsoft. I've, I've, I have to find this game, and I have to play it. 
Um, play as either Rad Rex or Manic Jackson as you reclaim an airport from terrorists using the Zapper. Um, so if this indeed is a Zapper-based game where you reclaim an airport from terrorists, uh, it sounds fantastic. Uh, so Rad Rex and Manic Jackson, uh, definitely want to check that out. And the next section in the magazine is Pack Watch. I don't remember calling the NES games packs, P-A-K-S, but I guess that was a thing and certainly a thing that Nintendo actually used uh, to refer to their games. Notable games in Pack Watch. These were upcoming games, games that, uh, you know, where, where you could look into the crystal ball and see what games are going to come out in the future. Notable games, 1943, Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. Uh, the latest word on Zelda 2 is that it will definitely be available in stores by October of 1988. This was uh, what was mentioned here in issue number one, and we will see if that is true in future episodes of the Power Time Podcast. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, RoboCop, Blaster Master. Uh, one of my favorite games, and this is this is pretty cool. The description here uh, is pretty awesome. About the only thing we know so far about this game is its name. But from the sound of the title, we expect it to be another high action game from Sunsoft. So here they are mentioning games without any information about the game whatsoever. Uh, we have Marble Madness, Simon's Quest, which was the sequel to Castlevania, uh, which we will talk about in episode two, California Games and Life Force from Konami, uh, which I've actually never played, but I know it's awesome and it looks awesome. Uh, it's, it's kind of a scrolling shooter game, uh, so I'm going to check out Life Force. And after that was Players Poll. Uh, they do a big giveaway, 10 games plus Mario 2 and in uh, these Nintendo Power jerseys, which were limited edition. I'm wondering if anyone has any of those Nintendo Power jerseys hanging around because they're probably worth quite a lot. Uh, these, this player's poll, uh, it, to me, it just seems like genius market research. You would get the address, age, sex. Uh, do you have a subscription? How many games do you own? How long have you owned the NES? What games did you like in this issue? What are your favorite games? And what games should we highlight in the future? Uh, so just a great way to get feedback from readers. Uh, NES Journal, this was an interesting column in the magazine. Uh, wire into the NES pipeline on what's happening around the world. So there's some world news here. Dragon Quest Three was released in February in Japan, and it was uh, kind of peaking at that point. There was a bit of a Dragon Quest craze that gets talked about here. Uh, some N NES unrelated film reviews. Uh, this is really strange. So Pee-wee's Big Top, a Cindy Lauper film called Vibes, and Eight Men Out were all reviewed and mentioned here in Nintendo Power. Uh, up next, profile on 17-year-old Kirk Cameron of Growing Pains and 12-year-old sister Candace Cameron of Full House. Uh, this is awesome and so, so 80s, so, so 90s uh, when magazines would go and, and talk to these child stars talk about what games they're playing, uh, what parts they're stuck at. Uh, they talk about sharing game packs. They talk about just how popular the NES is on set of these shows and at home. Uh, and they talk about some active activities that they do too outside of playing Nintendo. Uh, and this is interesting uh, because I, I always had this feeling that N Nintendo didn't want to raise children in front of the television. And you'll see that with the Wii trying to get people active. Uh, but the, And the power pad you know, with the NES. I think they always promoted activity, uh, so it's interesting to see these child stars also talking about staying active. Uh, after that, there is Mailbox, Letters from the Readers, NES Achievers, uh, where they actually list high scores. I'm curious to see how long this lasts, how long people actually value uh, high scores uh, in games. Uh, and then, uh, this will be fun to watch episode to episode, the top 30. So the top 30 was a section of the magazine where they listed the top 30 games as ranked by the polls. Uh, and this was my absolute favorite section. It really showed you what games you should be playing. Uh, and here are the top 10 NES games for issue number one of Nintendo Power. So coming in at number one, we have The Legend of Zelda. At number two, uh, we have Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Number three, Metroid. Number four, Super Mario Brothers. Number five, Kid Icarus. Number six, RC Pro-Am. Number seven was Ice Hockey. Number eight, Rad Racer. Number nine, Top Gun. And number 10 was Double Dribble. So 
there's a little breakdown here uh, between the pros, the players, and the dealers. So the way that they actually came up with the top 10 was they combined uh, the pros, the players, and the dealers' top 10s uh, into, into one. Uh, so the dealers actually cared about games in a different way than the pros, and the pros cared about games in a different way than the players. Uh, so they came up with this little system for doing the top 10. Um, and it, it goes to, so that's the top 10. Uh, it actually does go to the top 30. Uh, so there are games here like Castlevania, Goonies 2, Mega Man, Excitebike, Contra. So these are all in the top 30, uh, but I'm not going to go through every single one. And then finally, we get to the very last page of issue one of Nintendo Power, which is the coming up in the next issue page. Uh, so coming up next in the September-October issue of Nintendo Power was 14 pages of in-depth playing tips on the horrifying sequel to Castlevania. So that is Simon's Quest Castlevania 2, which we will be featuring in episode 2 of the Power Time podcast. Uh, also, by you, Billy. Uh, get the lowdown on this great new game from Konami, Bionic Commando, uh, and don't miss our regular features like Pack Watch, where we dig deep to get you the latest word on upcoming titles. Classified information, Counselor's Corner, don't miss it. It's all back for issue number two of Nintendo Power. Uh, there is a nice letter here from Howard Phillips. Um, I'm working real hard on Zelda 2. Look for it. It's going to be great. And then finally, the back cover. Choose your next challenge from the most powerful library in the universe. Uh, and it looks like, you know, there's there's a probably between 70 to 90 titles here uh, shown on the back cover. All the popular ones, of course. Uh, but I think there was a misconception uh, or, you know, availability of, of games was limited back then. So people were uh, doubting whether or not Nintendo had an impressive library. Uh, and I've definitely noticed a lot in this issue and beyond where Nintendo was constantly trying to iterate uh, that the library was strong and growing, which I definitely think was the case. Uh, so that's that's certainly uh, an interesting message that they conveyed. Uh, they talk a little bit here about some of the arcade ports that were coming up, some of the big uh, over 100 blockbuster titles to choose from, and then some of the big titles that were forthcoming. Uh, so they're definitely promoting the library here on the back cover. All right, Power Players, that's going to wrap up today's episode, episode one of the Power Time podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you made it this far, thank you for your time and attention. I hope you had a blast. Um, check out episode two, uh, which is available now as we dig into the horrifying Simon's Quest. If you'd be so kind and you enjoyed this episode, a great way to support the show is to leave me a review on iTunes. You can do that by visiting powertimepodcast.com slash iTunes. Uh, your feedback helps me improve the show and grow the community. The following music was featured in today's episode. First up, we heard the unofficial Powertime Podcast theme, Eat My Chips by Azure Flux. Then we heard Super Mario Bros. 2 Underground theme by The Advantage. After that, we heard Super Medley by Entertainment System, a band that now goes by Explosion Sound. Then we heard uh, Super Mario Bros. 2's Overground theme as performed by The Advantage. We heard I Do It For The Fairies by The One-Ups. And then we heard a small uh, snippet from RBI Baseball directly from that soundtrack. To learn more about the artists that produced this music and to find out where you can purchase uh, their tracks, definitely check out the show notes at powertimepodcast.com slash one. Again, that's powertimepodcast.com slash one uh, for episode one. And you can check out the show notes, uh, get links to the musical artists, but also uh, a synopsis of this episode and links to some of the awesome resources and sites that I found while doing research on Super Mario Brothers 2 uh, and some other elements of, of this issue. So uh, if you want to learn more, definitely check that out. And if you want to join our community 
definitely check out powertimepodcast.com slash unlocked. Uh, you'll get instant access to our Facebook community uh, where we're going to be talking about Nintendo all day, every day. Uh, and you can definitely jump into the conversation, reminisce, tell us your favorite Nintendo stories from this 1988 era. Uh, and, and we'll definitely take this journey together. So with that, again, thank you so much for listening. I'm Tom Tate signing off and keep on playing with power. <laughs>